Media Show. Hey, Greg. Thanks for coming. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I'm excited to talking with you. I've been checking out some of your stuff. So you wake up really early, man. What time do you wake up? Uh, 3.50. That's early. Like, goddamn. Like, how long have you been doing this for? Uh, I've been waking up before 5 a.m. for a little bit over a year. And I've been waking up around 3.50 since February. So uh, about eight months now. And what led you to to want to wake up at that specific time? Uh, you know, when Kobe died um, in January, I watched this video of Kobe saying, like, you know, he's accepting this reward, and he's saying all those three a.m.s, all these, you know, waking up at three a.m.s, four a.m.s, five a.m.s. I'm like, damn, Kobe would wake up at three a.m. to go play basketball. I'm like shit, dude, I'm gonna wake up at 3am. He probably woke up on the earlier side of 3am. So I'm like, it's 350. I'm okay with. <laughs> and so at what time do you go to bed? 830. Really? Yeah. Holy. Okay, that's a lot of discipline. So what about weekends? Do you do that on weekends too? Every single day. Every single day. So well, right now, where do you live? I'm not quite sure which city do you live in? Yeah, I'm out in Riverside, California. Okay, so COVID is happening. So there's not a lot of stuff happening at night in, in the country in general right now. But like, what if, so, like, so you, you just wouldn't go to a bar at night on a weekend? That's something you just would not do. Yeah, so um, I had made the decision that. I need to put my focus on my business. So I remember I listened to Grant Cardone's book, Be Obsessed or Be Average. And he was talking about when he started his business. And he said, man, I, I started my business. Then I got a girlfriend. He goes, look, man, if you are starting a business, you do not need a girlfriend. And I heard that like two years ago. And I remember thinking that like, all right, noted. Like if I'm going to be start, once I start my business, I'm going to be 100% focused on my business. And like not focusing on women whatsoever till I get that off the ground. Got it. And I, I can certainly understand what you're saying. You know, I, I, I do plan on, on getting a little bit more in entrepreneurship, but I guess in some ways, this is my hobby doing the podcast, but in some ways I do my own thing besides working in the hospital, but I do understand how, first of all, I love that book. Second of all, if you want to be really good at something, you do have to put a lot of hours into, into that craft, whatever that craft is. And, and we will get into what your craft is. In my case, it was medicine. And even when I was studying, I was studying, I remember sometimes when I came to the US and I wanted to get like those good scores to enter a good program to do residency, I was studying like eight hours a day, six days a week. It would give me one day off. No, no, I was working 12 hours a day. I, I was so regimented. I knew that I would wake up at around 6 or 7 a.m. I, I don't do that 3 a.m. thing. Um, but I, I would wake up, I would have an avocado toast and like I think of almond milk, and then I would just study. And then I would give myself a break at noon. I would have lunch. I would like give, maybe like have a half an hour to chill, do whatever I want. And then I would study until like 8 p.m., and then I would maybe give me another hour, hour and a half to relax. And then I would sleep and then I would start over. And I think I did that for a long time. And then I started residency. And that in itself is like 80 hour weeks a lot of the time. And, and you got to be good, right? Like you don't want to have 80 hour weeks where you're like just dragging on. You want, especially if you're in a really good, I mean, if, you, if you're a doctor, you, you can't be like, you have to be focused, right? You're looking at labs, you're like, you're, you can, you don't want to be making mistakes that will translate into hurting people. So, yeah. so you can't, you have to be sleeping well. You have to be not drinking too much. You can be like, like, yeah, like you, you can go out and you can, you can party and, and you can be a little bit crazy every once in a while, but you got to make sure that if you, you're going to be crazy today, you're not working tomorrow. And if you, you want to consistently work a lot and be very, very good at what you do for a long period of time, 
you have to have discipline. So in that sense, I understand what uh, Grant Cardone is telling you. And, now, and I want to ask you a question. Um, yeah. Like when you were putting that much time and effort and energy into what you were doing as far as going in before you even go into residency with all that time studying, what, how were you able to sustain your focus? What did you do to allow yourself to sustain that focus for that long period of time and do that for so long? Well, in, in, I guess that I didn't really think about it too much. I just like, it was like, I have to do this. And I didn't really spend time thinking in why did I have to do this? I mean, but there are some reasons, right? I'm originally from Ecuador. Um, and in South America, I feel like, I knew I wanted to have the best training possible. And I knew I was going to feel really bad about myself if I didn't. And, you know, I, I, I can't even go deeper about that. I, I was in second year med school and, and I was kind of depressed. This was in Ecuador. I did med, medical school in Ecuador. And I was kind of depressed. I was feeling like some of my teachers were kind of mediocre, not that good, you know. And then I was thinking, oh, man, I'm going to be a mediocre doctor. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that with my life. And, and, and uh, there was a, t and, and I'm part Danish too. And I thought, well, my, my dad saw me one day and he told me, yeah, you know, you could finish med school, then go to Denmark and, and just specialize in something and get really good at that. And then I thought, well, I mean, I guess I could do that, but if I could do that, then why don't, why don't I do that now? So the mm -hmm. next day after that conversation, I went to the Danish embassy consulate, I think it was. And over there, I just asked the, the consul, like, can I just go leave there? They're like, yeah, you're, you're Danish. Now, the only thing, I, I was 20 at the time, and they said, the only thing you do need to be mindful of is that in order to maintain your nationality, you need to leave there for one year before you're 22. And I think I was like three weeks away of being 21. So right, so I said, yeah, let's order the passport. Right after that conversation, I quit med school, told my dad, hey, I'm leaving. I didn't even, even know how to speak Danish at the time, which was kind of crazy. And, you know, but things are not great. I went over there. I had a great time. I got like different jobs. I like I'm up floors. I was a bartender for a little bit. I also worked in a souvenir shop. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I met a lot of cool people. I thought about doing med school there and they said, sure, you can, but you have to do an extra year of high school because the, the Danish system's a little bit different than the system where you're coming from, even though it was a, a German school where I went. And then they said, and then on top of that, we're not, I, I don't think they were gonna accept my uh, two years of med school that I had done at the time. So I would have to do anatomy again. So that, wow. that just like logistically, it was gonna regress me like four years, around four years to, to do that whole thing there. And then I, I just thought about it deeply and said, well, okay, I'll just go back to Ecuador, finish there, but I'm gonna self-teach. I'm gonna teach myself. I'm not gonna depend on what other people, I mean, of course I, you have teachers, et cetera, but I'm just gonna order the books. Like I didn't, I stopped reading in Spanish. That's one thing I did. And that was thanks, thanks to one of my teachers, you know, any book, medical book that is originally made in English, there and there's a Spanish translation to it. It takes two years to translate it, around two years. So if you really think about it, a 2020 book made in the U.S. on a specific medical topic, it if you read it in Spanish, you really read in the 2018 version. And so. I decided, no, I'm just going to do it in English. I'm going to not focus on the syllabus that the doctor in that class is going to give me, but I'm going to just like read it all on my own. So I did that and that was very helpful. Um, yeah. Now, sounds like you are very tied to Kobe and basketball and, and your own success, right? And that's why you decided to wake up so early. Now, tell me a little bit about your craft what is it that you do so my thing i am working to build an audience right now so i had come from a household that had domestic violence um, my dad went to prison four times my mom she didn't graduate from high school my uncle my favorite uncle that i'm the most emotionally attached to 
I used to literally snort cocaine in my living room growing up. And going through school, I was one out of three or four black kids at my school. And I'd be called nigger. And I was so afraid to stand up for myself because like for me, standing up for myself meant conflict and conflict meant violence and violence was terrifying. So kids would just walk all over me. And in high school, same thing. You know, I wanted to I wanted to fit in with a specific group of friends and they would call me the N-word as well. And it, it was tough, man. And I'd never really want I never could really stand up for myself. And it wasn't until I graduated from high school and I would ride in the car with my brother-in-law because I failed my driver's test three times. Now, that's something fun to tell your friends uh, to report back like, I still don't have it, right? Uh, but he, on, on the way to school, he would play these motivational tapes with this man who had this raspy voice and he'd talk about living a better life. And you know, obviously that's like Tony Robbins, right? So that was my first exposure to Tony Robbins, but I wasn't ready for the information. I would say like about a year later, I was going through one of the biggest depressions of my life because I was going to community college. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I was going through a breakup with a girl that was cheating on me. I knew she was cheating on me, but my uh, self-esteem was so low that I felt that being with her, being alone was worse than being with her. And I felt like I can fix her. And I was going through a breakup and I was, that was tough, right? And I hit this huge depression and I needed some help. And I went over to my sister's house and I asked my brother-in-law for those motivational tapes and he, he gave them to me very happily. And I listened to those tapes that night and literally on day three of listening to Tony Robbins' Personal Power 2 tapes, I felt better than I ever had before in my entire life. It was as if I just found out that I was living in this prison in my own mind and I just became aware like, holy shit, I'm in this prison and I can make it out somehow, but like the keys are somewhere. I have to find it through like the hints are through books, through events, through seminars, through podcasts, through coaching. And I have to put my money into that to find these keys to make it out of this prison I have in my head. But I realized that I can do, I can live a life that I want to live by my own design. And growing up, I didn't see any of that. I saw people who were miserable at work and, and, and had conflicts at work and didn't like work. My favorite uncle, when he was like 44, he decided, you know, I'm just going to stop working. And he's, he just became homeless. He's like, I don't want, I don't want to work anymore. And he's, he's alive still today, living in Long Beach. And he doesn't, he doesn't want anyone's help. Um, homeless. So for me, what I, I'm, I've just been so fortunate, man, because even in middle school, you know, four out of my closest friends ended up dropping out of high school. Um, one of them is addicted to meth, homeless in East LA. Another one went to prison for two and a half years after high school. Uh, the other ones are working in warehouses. They have kids, early 20s. And it's, it would be ridiculous for me to think that my life would be any different if I kept hanging out with them. And a big, 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 big thing is I had overcome this low self-esteem challenge that I have in my life. And the way that I was able to overcome that was I had mentors, I had coaches, I had uh, a network. So one thing that I know about young entrepreneurs or young ambitious people is it's hard for them to find people who are like them and like to, to relate with and talk about books that they're reading and seminars and podcasts. So what I do is I want to help people figure out how to build their own powerful network and how to find mentors. But not only that, you know, I used to smoke weed seven times, like every single day, every single day and watch this show called One Piece. It's an anime, has over 750 episodes. And I caught up, man. It took a year and a half of binge watching to catch up, but I did it and I felt damn good about it. And I'm not proud of that. I'm not too proud of it today, but it's part of my story. Um, and I went from who that, I went from that person to a guy who wakes up at 3.50 in the morning every single day. I meditate every day. I do a hundred pushups every single day. I journal every day. You know, I'm, I'm going for runs when it's like a hundred degrees outside and I'm taking three minute cold showers every single day. 
And I really built this discipline. So I also want to help people who struggle with getting things done and help them develop healthy habits. So that's really what I'm up to today, man. Cause, um, I, I'm just, I'm so grateful to be where I'm at. Like most people who have my background don't, don't have these things. They don't have, like, they don't have friends like you. They don't have the right mentors or the right information in their head. So I feel like it's my duty. Like while I'm here on this earth, like I was so blessed for, with this information and with the people. So I want to help people do the same. That's amazing. So like, it, it does have, it does sound like you, you went through a tough life. Like you said, your uncle was snorting cocaine in your room. Like how old were you when that happened? Do like 12. Um, I was like in seventh grade. So maybe like what? 11. Wow. That's intense. That's yeah, pretty intense. Crazy. Man. Is that the, the, the person that became homeless in your family? Yeah. Same, same guy. Got it. Wow. And then, so you, you kind of were able to like first person view experience of what you don't want in your life in some ways. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then you decided that you want to help. So you, it sounds like you found a a sort of key towards your self-confidence in other people, whether it's workshops or groups or mentors and, and you said, well, this has changed my life. So I want to connect other people. I, I want to help other people going through a tough time in the same way that I got my help, right? Like I want to connect them to mentors in, in whatever the specific area do you think that you would, that, that they would benefit the most? Like, how, how do you do that? Yeah. So, you know, the biggest thing is, is understanding like what, do you what kind of what kind of mentor do you want? You know, like for your for yourself, like do you want to have a uh, a doctor? Like for that's what you're talking about in your story, like being around better doctors, or someone who wants a specific business coach. But let's take it a step further. Like, well, what kind of business coach? There's so many different business coaches out there. Well, best thing you got to do is you got to get very clear on what kind of person do you want to connect with, who has the results that you want to have. And how can, what can you do to get yourself as close to them as you possibly can? And, you know, there's, there's, um, there's ways to go about it. You know, like for myself, I have my brother-in-law, he's, he's a a mentor to me and he has a wide network as well. And because I am reliable, I get value, I help him out and help him accomplish his goals. And I don't really ask for too much. And he sees the work ethic I have. He's more than happy to make introductions for me, introduce me to his friends. And you can, like, even just being in a, in a kind of environment, getting a job in a specific place, working under someone that you really respect. You know, my, my first, my very, very first mentor was my sales manager and my first sales manager. And he was a millionaire in the nineties, worked under Tony Robbins at some point and a really amazing person, you know, took a couple co- uh, companies public and because I was curious and I listened and I didn't come off as this arrogant kid or someone who knew it all or was like, I had a big head. I wanted to learn. I accepted that I don't have all the answers and I need help. And he saw that in me because every time he would speak, I would just sit there and listen with big eyes and just soak up everything. And oftentimes I think that people don't think that these very successful people want to connect with them. Like, well, who am I? I don't really know how I can give value to that person. But really, you know, a teacher really loves to be around a really great student. And if you can be a fantastic student, like with my, my sales manager, whatever you said, I did it. I was like, Hey, I don't really know much about sales. You're teaching me about how to become a better communicator, whatever it is. Like I'll listen and I'll literally apply it. Because nothing's more frustrating to a mentor is they talk to you, they tell you what you should do, they see your blind spots, and then they talk to you later and and then you say, oh, no, I didn't do any of that. What the hell? Like, it's so frustrating. But when you can do what they say to do and you come back to them like, oh, hey, like this worked for me, this worked, I came into some problems this way, um, they'll be like, oh, someone who's taking action because people like people who are like them, right? So... The, especially the successful people, mentors, they got to where they're at because they took action. 
And they went through failures. They went through humiliation. They overcame their fears. They dealt with uncertainty, but they've kept moving forward. So when they can see themselves in you, they feel like they have an investment, especially if you're actually taking what they're teaching and running with it. And that there's nothing more fulfilling than contributing than to helping other people out. And I know you feel this way because you're a doctor. Like it feels so great to heal your patients and to see them doing, doing better. And it's the same thing with myself and the same thing with anyone who is a coach of some sort. We all feel great when we're able to contribute in some way. So it's the same thing with mentors. Once they see that you're willing to listen, you learn, execute, man, they, they really start to have a bond with you. Yeah, man, I agree with what you're saying. You know, I, that that that's that rings true to me in in many ways. Um, when when I was in high school, I I wasn't the best student, but when I was in med school, I I, I became good. And I there was some part of me that realized that I needed to connect with people that I thought were really good at what they did. And there's this one specific teacher that. I thought she was like the best in in my university. She knew her stuff. She had, she not only was she uh, she had her private practice, but she also worked in academia. She actually um, found a way to publish an Ecuadorian uh, journal of neurology. Like that's that's a lot of work for one person, you know. And and I thought she was just so cool. So I went, I made sure, I went to her class and, and she was the hardest teacher. Like a lot of people were afraid of her because a lot of people failed her class because she was, she was so tough. Like she would not let you pass if you were not excellent. And, and so I went there and I really liked her attitude and she made me study a lot, you know, like it was really, really tough. And, and we, at, at the same time, you know, as you say, when they when these people see themselves in you, inevitably they want you to to do better. And what ended up happening is that she asked me whether I wanted to become an assist, uh, teaching assistant, and I did that. And then every once in a while, she would like mention some topics that she thought would be interesting for for her journal. So I I wrote the articles, and which which was extra work, you know, and then, and then a, a group of people review them, and if they think that's good enough, it gets published. I, I did a lot of publications in there, and those publications led me in some way where I am, you know, that, and that, that was a lot of work, and, and you know, like, then the moment you, you become better at what you do, in my opinion, that really, so you, what do you do become better at? You become better at solving problems in a specific way, so let's say in, in specifically in that part of my time, like I became good at reading medicine, understanding it and applying it in my patients while I was a, a med student and in, in answering the, uh, the questions for the test. And I became way more efficient at that so that I have some extra time to do other stuff. So what ended up happening is that when you become really good at, at solving a problem, then the next step is you really what you achieve is the capacity to solve more difficult problems. And then, and then what she did is just, she just gave me more difficult problems and she just kept doing it until I just graduated and, and, and came here. And I really have kept that attitude in life in residency. You know, I, I work, I, I just tried it. First of all, at the beginning it was tough. You know, this is one of the, like I was one in one of the top residencies in the country and they're very tough and and they expect excellence and nothing below excellence and and coming from ecuador like you know like it, it was kind of intimidating at the beginning being for, with people that are were coming from yale from harvard from hopkins etc and and then I, I i had this like um oh am i good enough am i good enough mm -hmm. and then i i realized at the beginning that i i wasn't at the same level so i, I just worked extra hard and and i and i became excellent at what i did and i and it became it it really is a beautiful transition from going to like oh i don't know if i can even make it to to really mastering that situation and then i was able to do some extra responsibilities and extra responsibilities i created this uh a psychedelic journal club at Duke. I became chief resident. I, I did, and on top of that, I did a master's 
degree while I was doing residency, it was tough. You know, like I, I would have one day off every couple of weeks. And there were times where I would feel, I would, I would like freak out because I felt like, oh, I don't know that I can handle this. And I would just do it. And then once I did it, I would, I would realize that I expanded in some way. Like, like what I thought wasn't possible is not possible. And, and so on and so forth. And you just keep growing that way. And then you become this thing, man. You become this thing that, that and, 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 and the next thing that you want to do is like help others that just because you, you became who you are because people helped you. And so what you're saying is exactly right, man. Like, you know, there's this book called, it's kind of a controversial book to be honest, but it's called The Virtue of Selfishness from Erin Rand. And, and she talks about something that I find very interesting saying that uh, it is the natural selfish attitude at some point in your life to, to achieve your happiness by helping others. And, you know, if we really talk about self-preservation and doing what the, the selfish thing to create your own happiness, I mean, this is, in, in my opinion, very correlated to uh, the hierarchy of needs by, uh, by Maslow. He's a famous, he was a famous, well, he's a famous psychologist. Um, I, th I think he passed away already. But he, he creates this hierarchy of needs that goes from survival to self-actualization. And, and I do believe like at some point you really want to get meaning in your life and this meaning you get from helping others. But in order for you to help others and gain happiness from it, right? Like you can, you can fake help others by just like uh, pretending to be an altruistic person and like really suffering inside. Or you can actually get to a point where you're so satisfied with your life that the natural, uh, the natural motivation that you have, the natural impulse that you have will be to help others. And, and I think that's what you mean. And I agree. Like, I think that excellent mentors will want to help others, but they will not help just anybody. They will help people that they, that they see in themselves. Like they have to see themselves in these people. And you, and you can be that if you work really hard and you're really, really focused on making what you want happen. Yeah. One thing I appreciate about what you, what you mentioned, you mentioned a lot of things in there. Uh, one thing in particular is when you're feeling like, can I do this? And I don't really know. Can I, there, there's a lot of doubt and fear and regardless of how you felt, you still kept going. And that is a very strong thing of a person to obtain is it's like, I, I got to do this. Like I just, this is what I have to do. And it gets to the point where you don't have any other choice. Like, well, what other choice do you have? There is no other choice. And like, you have so much more pain to, to not doing it. Cause there's like, what, what else is there to do than to actually do it? And in the meantime, while you're chasing after your, your dreams and your goals, there can be a lot of doubt and insecurity and, and fear and, and, you know, um, insecurity and, and not feeling the best. And, you know, it doesn't feel great all the time to go, to go get after it and to put that work in. But hindsight, you're like, God, I am so glad that I did that despite how I felt in that moment. And that's something that I am going through right now. It's like, I, I have no, I have no other choice. Like this is what's the most fulfilling for me. This is how I want to live my life despite what anybody else says about what I'm doing or how they see what my situation is from the outside, it doesn't really matter. And there's a, just a deep gratifying feeling when you can be authentic. You can be so, you can be like just grateful for your life. And like you mentioned, man, when you can give that off to somebody else, like, there really is no better feeling that I've experienced. I'm not a big woo woo person. Um, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to figure things out. Cause I myself have uh, taken my fair share of psychedelics. I'm still trying to put things in words, but I don't think there are things you can really put in words when it comes to what you experience um, on that kind of stuff. You just, you just kind of have this feeling and it's there and it, it's, it's tough to describe this, um, this sort of spiritual world or, spiritual feeling you feel when it comes to contribution, contributing to the human race and the empathy you feel 
as we're all on this earth here as one going through a similar experience together, not knowing what the hell is going on. Um, it just really, uh, I don't, it's just like, we're, we're meant, we were just wired to help each other out because that's how we survived. Like no one survived millions of years ago by being solo. Everybody had tribes and it felt good to contribute because and I feel like we're wired that way because that's what our basic nature. So it's like we get fulfilled so, so handsomely inside. Like there's something that's so addicting to that almost spiritual feeling of that contribution you feel um, where it's like, it's so motivating to go and keep doing that. And it's like, oh, but that also promotes the survival of the human race. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. I, <sighs> You think of the humans back in the day. I mean, before we discovered agriculture and we were in hunter-gathering societies, I mean, you had to collaborate. Like, you don't want to be eaten by, by a tiger or whatever animal back in the day. You, 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 you really needed to be part of the team. You really need, need, you, you needed to be part of a team 100%. And, and I do think that that is the natural... Well, I think that we have a natural impulse to become very collaborative and we also have a natural impulse to become very competitive. I think that we do have both and it is kind of our choice to, to decide where to, to go with it. And I think that in my mind, I, I'd like to believe that going through collaboration and, 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 and at the same time, I, I think there's a part of it for me, like I'm trying to think of myself, like for me, a lot of what I do really is like, you know, helping, helping out, right? Like I, I help my patients and even this podcast, you know, um, I call it Thrive because I, I, I'd love for people to hear and see how other people are finding their passions and meeting their goals and really how happy, like, like just the expression, like it, it, it's more often than not that you'll find here people in the podcast, like be telling you how grateful they are about what, whatever has been happening in their life. And it's because they're, they're really, really in the moment and really, really enjoying. And, and this may be not the kind of person that you talk to all the time. Like you may be in a group, surrounded by a group of people that are a little bit more bitter, or a little bit more anxious, a little bit more depressed, a little bit more self-absorbed. And then you think that's what it is, that you think that's what's normal. And it's not. And, and that's really like the purpose of the, this podcast. And it's also like selfish, right? Like I do it for myself so that I can hang out with these people and, and, and really have a good time with them. And, and then... So, so there is like a selfish impulse in me, like to, because this really fulfills me, like having these kinds of conversation is something that I love. And, and so, so a lot of what I do, it is, it's collaboration, but it's also selfish. It, it is a, a like, it, it's for my own benefit as well. Um, and, and I am super competitive. Like I'm a very competitive person. Now, that aspect of competition, I try to just like focus on myself. I'm not always, I don't always succeed. So, it, but most of the time I really just try to compete with myself and, and expand, you know, and expand a little bit more and expand a little bit more. Before I forget, you mentioned that you, you've had experience with psychedelics. I do have a couple episodes, one with William uh, Richards, Bill Richards. He's one of the leading psychedelic researchers in the world right now. So you may want to hear what he has to say about it. I also have a, an episode with uh, Jonathan Flores. He's a, he's a physician, but he's also a shaman. And he, and he worked with psychedelics back in Ecuador. In, in Ecuador, it's legal uh, to work with psychedelics if you are of like a shamanic heritage. So he does some of that work over there. And so if you're interested in that, you, you can check it out. Oh, I will. Yeah. And, and so, so, yeah, I think that it's all about finding what, what drives you, man. Finding what drives you. In my, in my mind, what drives me, it's self-knowledge. So I will naturally want to understand how my body works. That's why I do medicine. I will naturally want to understand how psychology works and how, and how can I help myself and others this way. So I go to psychiatry, yoga, philosophy, psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy, research, and that's just like my, my journey, you know, sounds like you're, sounds like you're starting your journey 
like like so, someone recently you kind of like something woke you up sounds like it was tony robbins and and from there on you're like oh like kind of like there's this like not only it seems like you want to prove to yourself that you can overcome a, adversity in some way right like because you don't only want to run you want to run when it's 100 degrees you don't only want you don't only want to be a productive you want to wake up at 3:50 a.m. like there, there are these like you don't want to only shower. You want to shower with cold water. Tell, tell, tell me a little bit about this specific, like, extra challenges that you put yourself into. Yeah, you know, I reflect on my life. I've spent quite a bit of time, uh, you know, with psychedelics and meditation, uh, sensory deprivation tanks. And I had to revisit a lot of traumas that I had in my life, just a natural thing that happens. Cause I, I believe that personally, when I was going in the time where I felt like I was more asleep, I wasn't really paying attention or I was, I was constantly distracting myself from myself. And typically what happens is when you sit by yourself, I think a lot of people are afraid to sit by themselves because what tends to boil up your past mistakes, things that happened to you, traumas that you want to just uh, suffocate. And it, it comes up, it comes up and it's scary as hell. It's hard, but I had to work through all of that. And one common thing that I kept seeing in my past was all these things that should, I should look at and feel bitter about getting cheated on domestic violence, being called nigger, all these, all these challenges, like that would make someone bitter and, and mad at the world. I look at that and I think of, I grew tremendously because of that. You know, I called my dad on father's day and I told him, I said, dad, you know, I know you feel guilty as far as what you put the family through, but I am so grateful you did what you did. And he's like, what? And I said, I would not be who I am if it wasn't for that. I would not be who I am if I grew up in a comfortable environment, if everything just came easy to me. And you gave me the biggest gift of my life, which is putting me in, in discomfort. And I, as a kid, I have to learn how, like, how to deal with an unstable environment and how to overcome that and be in sit with discomfort. And I got exposed to that at such an early age. And some people, they grow up in a comfortable environment and when they get older, they crumble because they don't know what it's like to be uncomfortable or when they feel uncomfortable, they're like, they, they have such a small threshold. Like it's so, it's so too scary. It's too difficult for them. And they're just like, no, I just want to stay in my bubble. And as a result of that, they achieve far less than what's possible for them. So I would go back and I, and I, I, I made the click, the connection in my brain that the most the, the greatest things that's come from my life all stem from discomfort. All of my powerful lessons, everything that made me who I am, I, the things that I'm the most proud of all stem from discomfort. So then I thought, okay, well, if discomfort seems like it gets me better, how can I sprint into discomfort every day? How can I, how can I make things a little bit harder for me every single day? So I was like, all right, so I started with the, you know, waking up early that was challenging and now it's just like when people say you wake up at 4 a.m or 3 50 and like man uh, to be honest now it's just kind of normal because i don't have to, i don't have to think about it. i'm like you know anyone can do this it's not mm -hmm. a difficult task to do you just have to get over like the first two weeks have a little bit of discipline there and, and, and that's it there's no magic to it and uh same thing with the cold showers i, I never feel like taking a cold shower. i never get excited about taking a cold shower i dread taking showers because at the end i'm like i have to end it cold three minutes and after i do my three minute cold shower like uh, after i got used to that i'm like well well what else can i do and i made the decision like six weeks ago one second i started i listened to joe rogan's podcast where he had uh joe decena the um guy who invented a spartan race this guy walks around with a 44 pound kettlebell everywhere he goes so now i walk around with a kettlebell it's a, it's an 18 pound kettlebell or eight kilos. And it's, it sucks. It's uncomfortable. It's not <laughs> fun. I have to take two to three trips from my car every single time I, I go somewhere because like, I have to, I have my kettlebell on one hand before I used to be able to do one trip, but one trips are out of, out of the equation. Now it's like discomfort, discomfort, discomfort. 
and just having the full belief that this is going to pay off one day. Cause one day it's going to, my, I'm going to have a situation that's going to be so uncomfortable. I'm going to be able to navigate through that because I face that every single day. And my like loved ones or friends that might crumble in that situation. I can be someone who can walk them through that and help them and, and be a, a, a like a light in a dark situation and help lead people through that. And some people don't see that right now. Some people don't think too much about the future that way, but I know that one day some, some kind of situation is going to happen. It's going to be fucked up and maybe it may not ever happen. And I'm still glad and I'll be grateful that it never happened because I still overcame my brain. I, I look back on my life and I think of when I was smoking weed seven times a week and watching anime and constantly taking the path of least resistance. How did I feel when I was comfortable? It fucking sucked. I hated that. I didn't like my life. I felt like shit. My self-esteem was low. I couldn't get myself to take actions that I wanted to take. So also doing the hard thing builds my self-esteem. And man, I'm just so grateful to be on this path. Wow. So, so wait, tell me about the benefits of carrying that thing everywhere that you're going. It's like, is is it going to help your arms? It's going to help your like, what what is it going to help you with? (laughs) It's just mostly of... I'm uncomfortable most of the time and I'm just like, this sucks. Okay. This, this sucks. And some people will listen to like, what the fuck is going on with you, man? That's so dumb, you know, but I'm like, listen, uh, the more, you know, David Goggins, he runs like crazy every single day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's why he's so tough uh, because he does things that people won't do. And, and I'm, I'm willing to do that. I love David Goggins. Um, you know, I, I listened to his audiobook. So my history with reading his book, um, I, like, this must have been a couple of years ago. And I hated running. I've always hated running. Some of my best friends, they're both, they have two really close friends and they're both love running. And we meet at least once or twice a year. And we, we either go snowboarding together we do something in the sun ideally something by by a beach ideally surfing doesn't happen all the time but a couple of years ago we were in epcot center in orlando florida and we were just like drinking basically and then after i remember that we met and i said hey we're a little bit out of shape so let's let's do something about this and I said, let's run a half marathon. And, and they just started cracking up because I, I, I don't even run. Or at the time, I didn't even run like a mile. Like I was so bad at that. And I hated it. I thought that was like the stupidest exercise ever. <laughs> and, and they said, okay. And we signed up to a, DC, a half marathon in DC like six months after. Like, like six months from that day that we talked about it. And then I started training. And I hated it. I hated every second of it. But I knew that I was like in my bucket list. I knew that I really, what I wanted to do is run a full marathon. But I knew that I wasn't just going to do it on my own. I wanted like a, a group of people that, I, that would push me to, to do it. And, and this was like the perfect opportunity. So I started training. It took me a while to get to 5K, believe it or not. It took me a while. It like six weeks to really like go to 5K. And then from 5Ks, I, like I slowly went up to the, to the 13 miles. And two weeks before the half marathon, I started having this horrible knee pain. I could barely walk. I could barely walk. And I think there was something about the way that I was running that I was just not, I I had something that it's called runner's knee. Like a ligament was just inflamed. And I said, fuck, this is not good. What do I do? So I decided not to run for the last two weeks and just like go and, and run the day of the race. And I did some like physical therapy that I like, did on my own and i go to the day of the race and i normally run listening to either a podcast or an audiobook or music so i get this book called you can't hurt me from david goggins and then i'm listening to this dude tell me like all the horrible things that have been going on in his life and how he has been running with a broken freaking like tv uh, i think it is uh I forget, I forget, was it his Broken feet, broken feet. It was his feet? His feet. Um, yeah, okay, so maybe his feet. But I, 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 I think it was a, maybe a, 
Well, I don't he, remember, but he, he, like, he, he strapped up his foot and he put yeah. double socks and then strapped up like. Yeah, yeah, it was his feet. Okay. So he, he breaks his foot. He put like all this scotch tape, like extra socks or whatever. And he's like, fuck it. I'm going to keep running. And then at some point, right after he says that, I start getting this like knee pain again. And, and I'm like, okay, if this dude is running with, with scotch tape in his foot after he broke a bone, there's like no way I'm going to stop right now. There's just no way. So I just kept at it. I finished it. Like I couldn't like walk for the next day, I think, or, or, or the next week, to be honest. It was like pretty painful. But since then, I love that guy. And I love how he will like just like tell you that you're like you you can do better. You can do better regardless of what it is that you're doing. And and from then on I started running like a marathon. And just today, you know, like like half an hour, I just ran seven miles. And I do that like a couple couple times a week. And and I was thinking, well, like I would love to to run twelve miles a couple of times a week. I think that'd be cool. Maybe thirteen miles, I don't know. And and I think I'm gonna work myself up to that, especially now that like it's a nice weather outside. But I, I get you, no, I get you what you mean. Like finding that challenge, I think that in some ways we're wired similarly. Uh, like that challenge is really what moves me forward. Like I, if I don't have a challenge, I feel pretty bored and annoyed, and like and like uh, I started ha- I start having existential distress about my life. So like I really need to. To, 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 to see what the challenge is. And, and I really focus on very specific areas, either physical, uh, mental, or interpersonal challenges. That, that's really my main challenges all of the time. Uh, and, and mental can be like related to career, can be related to business, can be related to like a series of things. And, and I think it's never ending, right? Like we're always going to find different challenges and we're never going to be perfect. This is not a... a, a a fight towards perfection at least i don't i don't think it is i think in my mind it's just like a game and then you you got you got to play this game with yourself and and then you die and and, and it's going to be like a beautiful life that you live yeah man you know i have i had this guy his name is john sonmez on my podcast recently and he retired at the age of 33 you know he has two different businesses he has a um so he owns property and real estate. And when he was 33, he was able to retire, right? And his idea of retirement was he wanted to move down to Maui, be on the beach, and he wanted to play video games. He's like, I just want to be financially free so I can play video games. And when he became financially free, he, went down, he moved down to Maui and he played video games, but he felt very unfulfilled. He felt like he should be doing something. And he, like, he, felt so guilty for playing video games. This is a man who accomplished a feat that like 99% of the world wish they can do where they just have an abundance of money. They don't have to worry about money anymore. And here he is feeling depressed. Like what the hell? Like this should feel good. But the thing is, he said he lacked the challenge. He lacked the purpose. And I, that really changed how I started thinking about life. Like it's not about the external things you get, not to say that you shouldn't strive for the external things, you know, like those are good. Like if you can get them, why not get them? Like you have one life, you can do whatever you want. Why not aim for get the most you possibly can. But if you're going to get that and you, and you want to get it to help complete you, you're kind of going after it for the wrong reasons. Cause there's those external things aren't going to really bring fulfillment, but what brings fulfillment is the fact that you're growing and you have a purpose and you're challenging yourself day in and day out and you're doing your best to just become better and more and, and overcoming your own mind. And one thing that I really appreciate about stoicism, right? Lives of the Stoics, shout out to Ryan Holiday in his new book, one of the best books I've ever read. Like all these really powerful Stoics all work like didn't really care too much about the external things they just cared about getting better as as best as you can working um helping spread the philosophy of stoicism and not caring too much about the external applause or the external validation just doing the best you possibly can with this life and i think about like 
the success for me is going to be is going to be a byproduct of the actions that I'm taking and it's going to happen and my focus is more on how can I be better today how can I contribute more to my family how can I contribute more to my friends how can I grow my networking even more how can I contribute more to them and how can I just do what's right and do my best I possibly can and from that I at the same time I'm building systems for myself and eventually like it's going to come back to me and success is going to be a byproduct of the actions that I'm taking now. And I will continue to challenge myself. I was thinking about this the other day. I, I thought, I hope I never get to the point where I feel comfortable enough to start becoming soft. Like I hope that I maintain this edge of constantly working on myself, despite how much success that I have. I hope to when I even how despite how successful I am that I'm still willing to go outside when it's a hundred and something degrees and go for a run to challenge myself and wake up early and, and do the hardship because I just think mastery over your mind that is that feels that feels fantastic like just to make sure that your internal how you feel inside about yourself is taken care of and I think the way I've built my self-esteem is overcoming that bitch voice that we all have within ourselves and constantly winning over that every single day. And even though our head hits the pillow and, you know, no day is really perfect. Some days we have days where we hit a home run out of the park. It was, it was a great day. Like everything went your way. But the reality is most days aren't like that. Most days you're going to fuck up at some point of your day. Uh, most days, like you're not going to get everything you've done that you wanted to get done. There's going to be distractions. There, there's going to be lack of focus. There's going to be something that you've eaten that messed up your energy. And despite all of that, despite like you not having these perfect days, it's being able to, at the end of the day, reflect on your day, say, okay, what was the positives? Seneca used to do this. He would write down what was the positives he had with his day. And he would write down what he needed to improve on. And Seneca's you know, a little philosophy on this was be strict, but kind with yourself. So not beating yourself up saying, y'all, you fucked up here, fucked up here, but saying, Hey, you know, you messed up here, but I forgive you for now. Let's make sure that we correct that tomorrow. Let's make sure that that doesn't happen moving forward and just constantly growing. And, and if you look, if you pay attention to these successful people, they all say the same thing. Like, like, um, it's never ending. It, it never stops. You'll hear that. Despite, despite how much money someone has, they always say it just never, it just never stops. You always just have to get, keep getting better. Yeah, man. So what's success for you? You know, I, I feel like success for me is growing, doing like growing the best I possibly can for myself, always making sure that I become better. I am con I'm doing what I want to do and I'm doing what I feel is right. And I, at the same time, and contributing in my way to help other people accomplish their goals and help make their life better. You know, as I mentioned, I am just very fortunate to be who I am and overcome the things that I've overcome. And I feel that I know that I could accomplish just tremendous amount of success in my life. I know that's possible. So for me, what gives my life meaning is it's like, well, I'm on that journey to do whatever it is I want and I'm overcoming stuff. But as I'm overcoming, I'm also teaching people who are just a couple steps behind me. Like, Hey, like it's overcome and teach, overcome and teach, overcome and teach. And as long as I can see some people that are may not be on the same level as I am, but as long as I can, I can see that I'm making a difference in other people's lives that, that, that fills me up so much. It makes running at a hundred degree weather worth it. It makes it can, makes waking up early worth it when, someone reaches out to me and say, man, like I didn't want to go work out today or I didn't want to do this thing, but I saw your Instagram story and I, I got up and I was like, you know what, Greg's doing it. I should be doing this too. And they got better that day because of an action that I took. And uh, yeah, just success for me is just feeling okay with myself, with the actions that I'm taking and not feeling like I have, I'm like a slave to somebody else, right? Where I can live through my own values and I can live life how I want to live it and not feel like I have to filter myself because now I'm in this job or I have to, 
um, have to behave a certain way around these people because they don't really know the real me. I don't want to do any of that. I want to be my full self, live through my values. I want to get better in my way and learn and help other people get better. That's beautiful, man. And it sounds like you have the discipline and the work ethic to, to make it happen. I, I, I don't like hearing you talk right now. I have no doubts that you're heading exactly where you want to go and that you're going to get exactly what you want. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. And this is why I love, like, and this is the biggest thing, man. Like my, one of my favorite things is having these kind of conversations with people, man. Cause like people have been the, the biggest difference for me in my life. When I was hanging out with people who didn't care too much, I didn't care too much. When I hang out with somebody who I didn't know your story until, you know, we got on this podcast, but I, I listen to you and you inspire me despite how, how hard I work. I look at you and I think, man, like I have so much respect for this guy for like the work he's put in for so many years, like to be like, and way, way more years, right? Like becoming a doctor and looking for ways to get better. Like, and not just like doing the bare minimum, but figuring a way to do even more. You did more than what was expected of you. And to have this kind of conversation with, with, with you. And, and then I walk away with something because I learn. And you, at the same time, you do this podcast because you like to have these kind of conversations and you learn as well. And then we get better together because of this conversation. And at the same time, what's so amazing about this is people are going to listen to it and it's going to inspire them. And then their example may inspire their friends and family. And it's just a spider web of us all getting better together because life doesn't have to suck. It doesn't have to. I grew up seeing my father miserable. I grew up seeing like people disliking their jobs and what they do and complaining about life. And, and, and they dealt with that. They tolerated it. And it's also, I feel like it's a big disrespect to my own mother and father that I, if I didn't go for whatever it is I wanted because they worked hard and they suffered through their jobs so then they could provide me with a life that they wished that they had. And for me to not jump on my opportunities is like, it's the biggest disrespect to their lives. They sacrificed so much for me to go do the bare minimum and piss that opportunity away. No fucking way. I love what you said about like um, us learning from each other, which is true. And then other people listening to this and getting inspired and then talking about it with their friends. And then they getting inspired and creating this spider web of an upward spiral of where you could go. Like current social media entertainment, not only social media, like general media and everywhere you see, there's a lot of shallow shit going on. Okay. And, and and we all complain about it and we all consume it and and we could change it, right? And and this is a way to do it. And and we do, I believe that in some way create an upward spiral of inspiration. Now, I don't think inspiration is the whole holy grail, you know. I think that inspiration's great, but inspiration doesn't happen every day. And the days that you're not inspired, you still gotta do the shit that you need to do. Um, because discipline is re really you build it when you when you're not inspired. You really have to do the thing when when you're not inspired. If you're doing it when you're inspired, that's great. That's like like a great moment to take uh, into consideration and and to understand that your capacity maybe goes well beyond that. What what do you think? But when you're not inspired, you still got to do the thing. Still, and when you're tired and annoyed and underslept, you still gotta do the thing. You still gotta do the thing. In the end, it, it's about the, the grind and, and how much hours you put into the thing because in the end, it, like the, um, uh, you talked about this earlier, like um, despite your emotions, if you really wanna get to a better version of yourself, you gotta like not pay too much attention to it. You just gotta not to pay, pay too much attention to your short inner, to turn emotions and 
and and move on and continue doing it and yeah man i appreciate talking with you i really like it and and you should come back again we should talk again i would be more than happy to come back my man i gotta have you on my podcast too oh i'd be happy to go i'd be happy to talk to you there excellent brother um i appreciate you having me here and as you said like discipline the very definition of discipline you like you like the only time you can ever build is when you don't want to do it only time yeah man all right i'll see you around all right my brother okay Bye. Bye.